Well, good morning, and thanks for uh, taking some time here to join us in yet another Bible study from A Love Outreach. If you are interested in listening to or watching any of our past studies, well, as I've mentioned several times before, we do have over 300 audio teachings available on various platforms such as iTunes and SoundCloud and Spotify and many others. And we also have some of our past teachings available on YouTube as well. So in whatever way you have joined us today, we appreciate you being here and uh, we hope that we all can grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we study the Word. And as you uh, follow along with us through these Bible studies, it is our desire to teach the Word of God in a very simple, very practical life application style. And it is our hope to encourage people to be not only hearers of the Word of God, but to be sure that we all become doers of the commands of the Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because if we profess to be followers of Jesus, then it should be our aim to, to live our lives in a way that shows that we are obedient to the will of the Lord in our daily lives. But with all that being said, today we will continue on in our study of the book of Acts. So if you're in a position where you can do so, please go ahead and open your Bibles up to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. And before we get on into chapter 5 this morning, I actually want to have us go back and start reading in chapter 4, starting down in verse 32. So actually, if you could go there first, Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Uh, the reason I want to go backwards here is because just so we can stay in the proper context of what we're reading here this morning. So Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 32, it says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and a great voice, uh, and a, uh, well, I just lost my place in this reading, folks. <laughs> uh, they had all things in common, and great power, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each one as anyone had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement. So it's kind of like a nickname for him, right? He was a Levite of the country of Cyprus. Having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, 
Again, we covered those verses in our last study of Acts, but starting with verse 1 of chapter 5 for our study today. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. So here we see a situation where everyone's on board, right? All of the born-again followers of Christ were all united in one purpose, had one focus. And they were in this thing not for the good of themselves, but for the good of each other. This was the early days of the body of Christ. This is the example that we are reading about today of how a church lives that is truly led by the Holy Spirit, right? And that is something that I want you to ponder. I encourage you to ponder in your Christianity today. Are you being like Christ in your focus, being led by the Spirit? Are, Are you looking out for the good of others or is your top priority you and yourself? and what you gain, and what you get? Is that what you use your Christianity for? Is that what you even use the Word of God for? How it applies to you getting better, how it applies to you getting, when I say getting better, I don't mean growing spiritually. I'm talking about, is it about how you gain wealth? How you feel good about yourself and all of that kind of stuff. Is that how you treat the Word of God? And as we study this, we look, we, we, we look back at the early church, we say, is that how they were living, right? Because, you see, that is, it does seem anyway, I should say, that that's the way the majority of Christians live today. And probably I shouldn't say that word. To say the majority might not be right. But there are a lot of Christians today that are just in it for themselves. They're using scripture, they go to church, they do all of this thing to get out of it what they can get out of it, and they're really not focused on others. But as we look at the Christians here in the early days of the church, they were the complete opposite of that, right? The majority of them were living focused on Christ. And it wasn't all about them. But then along comes this man and his wife here, Ananias and Sapphira, and they decide that they're not going to go all in on this thing. They're not going to go in on this Holy Spirit-led, born-again, life-type thing. They're, They're only going to try to stick one foot in there, right? And they're going to hold back a little and try to keep some things under their own control. You see, these are the type of people that want to appear on the outside as if they're fully on board, but there's darkness in their heart. And they don't want to sacrifice all to be followers of Christ, but rather they like the idea of, like I said, having one foot in the world and one foot in this whole Christian thing, right? It's kind of like those that want fire insurance, right? They they don't want to think of themselves as, well, I'm going to hell, 
So they do all the right things outwardly and they appear as if they're truly born again of the spirit, like Jesus said one must be. He said you must be born again. But instead, these type of people, they love the world too much. They love it too much to completely let it go. So they go out and they adopt a religion that allows them to live not in accordance with the word of God, but it gives them the feeling that they will still be okay when this life is over. And when I say a religion, they might join a church, a non-denominational church or a denominational church where everyone does what they do and they can have a little bit of the world and they can get the things they like and have the things they want and all of that, but not be completely sold out to the Lord. But this never works out because the way of religion is not the way of the Bible. And we really have to determine in this life as Christians, are we truly living our lives in accordance with the word of God, the commands of the Lord, and what he says for us to do? Or have we watered down some things and, and just try to keep some things under our own control but just appear as if, hey, we want to be part of this thing like Ananias and Sapphira. But you know, you may be able to fool people, but the Holy Spirit knows all and sees all. And when it comes to being a true follower of Jesus Christ, holding back or having one foot in the world is nowhere to be found in the pages of the Bible. It's not the gospel. It's not what is taught. Coming to Christ truly is a all or nothing at all proposition. Jesus proclaimed that fact on more than one occasion, as did his apostles as well. And here we see in verse 3 where Peter himself, an apostle of the Lord, being filled with the Holy Spirit, says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. Notice something here. Notice that Peter points out that Satan filled the heart of Ananias. Here's a man, Ananias, who sold a possession, and look at where his heart was, right? He sold a possession, and he wanted to be part of this group of Christians. So he went where they went. He hung out where they hung out. He apparently, right, or he appeared to be doing what they were doing. So how many people do we see like that today? They hang out in the church. They want to appear as if they're born-again Christians, right? Though maybe the church they go to doesn't have many born-again Christians in it either. But the fact of the matter is, is Satan can fill your heart. And we've got a guard against that. Now, I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit more as we go on. But Peter says in verse 4, While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, to men, but to God. So, do you see what, what's in the context of Peter's statement there? Nothing was being forced upon Ananias. It wasn't against his will that he had to join in with the rest of these born-again, truly spirit-led followers of Jesus. 
There was no brainwashing going on here. No pressure to join a cult. Peter tells Ananias that the land was his and that the money that he got from the land was his as well. And if you go to a church where, or if you're part of something where a pastor or somebody wants you to tell them everything about your finances and what you make and what you sell and what you have and all of that kind of stuff, that wasn't the case in the foundation of the church here. Okay? But he didn't have to lie. Ananias didn't have to lie. He didn't have to make it appear that he was giving all that he had. But you see, that's the way of people that are hypocrites. And I know that's a strong word. But that is people that want to appear as if they're part of something, as if they're born again, as if they're truly followers of the Lord, but yet they're, they're keeping something back. They're not all in, right? Jesus told the Pharisees, right, that they were like whitewashed tombs. He told them that they appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead man's bones and uncleanness. He told them that outwardly they appear righteous to men, but inside, he said, you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So you see, no one can lie to the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord knows those that truly belong to Christ and those that do not. Those that are truly followers of Jesus are those that have put their hand to the plow and they're not looking back. They're saying, I'm doing this the way the Lord wants me to do it. I'm going to walk in accordance with his commands. I know what the lust of the flesh says. I know what the lust of the eye says, the pride of life. I know what the rest of the world around me is doing, but I'm not looking back. I'm not doing that. They have come out of this world, and they live no longer like the rest of the world around them. And this isn't because they are in and of themselves better than everyone else, but this is because they are separate from the world, and they are separate from the world because they have denounced their sinful ways and have come into the kingdom of God and are now led by the Spirit of the Lord who indwells them. They know the commands of Jesus from the written word of God, and the Spirit of the Lord keeps them on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Let me show you something over in the Gospel of John. Go ahead and mark this page and turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 16. John, chapter 16. It's the book right before Acts. And starting in verse 12, Jesus is speaking with his disciples here. And he tells them, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. So Jesus is about to be crucified, buried, and dead. He's going to, of course, rise from the dead. He's going to spend some more time with his disciples after he rises from the dead. But there was so much that Jesus had to pour into the hearts of his disciples, as is the case with you and me today. We're constantly growing. Constantly, we should be constantly growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord, 
understanding his will. Right? But he tells them, I've got some other things to tell you. You can't bear them now. However, verse 13, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come. Notice what he's called there. The spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth. What was Ananias doing? Lying. You think the spirit of the truth doesn't know that, right? Yes, he does, right? He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. You see, Jesus told his disciples that he would never leave them nor forsake them. And you know, this is still 100% true today. Those that are born again of the Spirit hear the words of the Lord from within their heart. And of course, we also have the written word of God in our possessions as well, right? And this is why we study it as we do here at A Love Outreach, right? It's important that we take the time to learn the word of God and to hide it in our heart. As David said, right? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And as a teacher of the word of God, I am simply just laying it out here for you to take in and to meditate on it from within your own heart. And as I always remind you, you must be diligent yourself to be sure that the word of God, what it really does say and what it does not say, right? Do not let any pastor, any Bible teacher, any preacher, any priest be the final authority in your life when it comes to the Word of God. You must study it. You must know it for yourself. There is only one head of the body of Christ, and that is not a pastor, not a priest, not a church, not a denomination. That is Jesus Christ himself. He is the head of the body. But you see, it is of the utmost importance that our lives be founded, rooted, and grounded upon the commands of the Lord. We will have a firm foundation to our lives when we are rooted and grounded in the commands of the Lord as we see them written in the pages of the Bible. The Holy Spirit indwells the person that makes the decision within their heart to place the kingdom of God and his righteousness above all other priorities in their lives. That's who the Spirit of the Lord indwells. And again, as we will see in our story here today, you cannot lie to the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord will lead you into what is right, the path of righteousness. And when he does, it will not be a half-hearted endeavor. Faith is a fight. And you know, it's important that you first understand that to be born again of the Spirit in the first place requires that you die to yourself, that you take up the cross, and that you follow the ways of Jesus and the commands of the Lord. You live them out, that is, right? Again, we're not just hearers of the Word. We're to be doers of the Word. Right, You are to leave your sin-dominated life behind through repentance, and then you build your life upon the commands of the Lord, the word of the Lord. 
But again, there are and probably always will be those that appear on the outside as if they have done that very thing, but their hearts are full of lies and deceit. Because inwardly, they have not truly repented of sin and been born again to the new life that is in Jesus Christ. And they're full on the inside of sin and darkness. If we think we can lie to the spirit, spirit by continuing in sin and thinking that our church affiliation, our religious affiliation, whatever it may be, will save us in the end, we are sadly mistaken. Again, this is not found in the pages of the Bible. You really need to take the time to read and to study your Bible for what it truly is, and that is the Word of God, the Word of Truth, written by the Spirit of Truth, right? At least inspired by the Spirit of Truth. And you need to see how your life looks when you compare it to what is written. The moment you decide to give your all to the kingdom of God and to be led by the Spirit, you will then find that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and constantly bringing to your remembrance all the things that the Lord said and did. You will know the will of the Lord for your life. So anyway, here's this guy, right? Ananias, back in Acts chapter 5. Go ahead and turn back there. He conceives this lie in his heart, which he thinks he can fool everyone. But he doesn't realize that what is happening here in the book of Acts is it's not a movement of man. It's not something that Peter started, or James, or John, or any of them. But rather, this is the work of the Holy Spirit going on here, the spirit of truth. And maybe Ananias didn't quite realize that. Then, then Ananias, in verse 5, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. So this indeed, can you imagine, this was a big wake-up call for those that said they were followers of Christ back in, in this day, right, in that day. They now knew not to lie to the Spirit of the Lord. We have the Word of God like this today so we can learn that we can't lie to the Spirit of the Lord. We can't pretend to be something on the outside while inwardly we have sin or, or we have secret sin in our lives that we're doing when we're not around the church or around others that are in the church or that we hide in the darkness that we don't want anybody to know, right? These people back in this day, again, they had a great awakening here with this type of thing happening with this man, Ananias. And they knew that coming to Christ was a real deal. We'll see that, we'll see as we read on that not everyone wanted to join. I mean, yeah, the Holy Spirit was moving in a lot of thousands of people's lives and the church was growing, but other people didn't want anything to do with it. All right, now, of course, we know that in our day and age that people that are pretending to be something that they are not 
are not just dropping dead today. We don't see that happening today, right? And this is because of the long suffering of the Lord. You see, we're living in a time where God has offered his grace. He's still offering his grace. And he's saying, whosoever will can come. Whosoever will can come to the Lord. And God is still letting unbelievers, people that are not fully committed, have mercy and truly come to a place of repentance. The Lord is patient and he's kind toward the unrepentant. But that day is coming to an end. That time, the time will come when we're no longer in that period of time anymore. You know, and in regards to the second coming of the Lord, 2 Peter 3, 9 states that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to what? To repentance. That's what the Lord wants for your life today, for my life today, for all of us, that we would come to repentance. But just beware if you are a person that is not fully committed in your obedience to the Lord, that it's not going to end well for you, as we see was the case for this man, Ananias. Like we see these believers here in the book of Acts, we, as we see with them, that is, we need to see that we need to be living our lives with great fear, as verse 5 says. That is, we need to be living reverent lives, caring about the things of the Lord, the will of the Lord for our lives, being obedient to him. And moving on, verse 6, speaking of, an, of Ananias, who has now dropped dead, verse 6 continues and says, And the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, and Peter answered, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, Yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together? to test the spirit of the Lord. Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. So it wasn't just the church people that were like, oh my goodness, this is the real deal. This is a serious thing. This is a serious commitment to walk in the Lord, to be in Christ, to be filled with the Spirit, to be obedient to the Lord, to move as the Spirit of the Lord moves us. And again, we have all this written down. We have all this instruction written down in the word of God. This is a serious thing, though. So not only the church, but everyone. The outsiders, too, heard all about this. They knew what was going on. You know, they see what's happening. Right? But do you see this, the seriousness of this commitment? 
Again, people aren't just dropping dead for being fake Christians today. But it's important that we do learn what real commitment is and what it is not. This man and his wife conspired together on this thing. In other words, they talked about this back at home before they ever even got here, ever even got there. Maybe they said, hey, we want to be part of this. I'm just making this up, right? But maybe they're thinking, hey, we want to be part of this. Let's do this. I, I, we like that, that movement that's going on. We like what those Christians are doing. Yeah, I want to be part of that. Well, yeah, well, yeah, but look what they're doing. They're selling everything. They're selling out. They're completely sold out to this. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Do I really want to do that? Well, maybe I don't have to. Maybe let's just give a little bit. But again, with the Lord, you put your hand at a plow. There's no looking back. It's all or nothing at all. You leave the world behind. You come out of the kingdom of this world. You come out of the ways of this world. You come into the kingdom of God, into his glorious light. You, you walk in a different way, in a newness of life. But there are plenty of people today that name the name of Jesus. They go to church. They may even pastor churches. But they've got darkness and they've got sin in their lives. And eventually a light gets turned on. Maybe it's after that pastor dies that the light gets turned on and people see, oh, that's how he really was. You can't lie to the spirit of truth. It doesn't change the spirit of the truth, the spirit of truth, right? And you see, that's what you have to deal with if you're a non-Christian and you call Christians hypocrites, which in many cases they are, not denying that, right? But if you're calling them that, no, one, no one's forcing it upon you to come and join. It's a matter of your heart. But there is a spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, and you will someday bow your knee before the Lord and you will someday be judged. Right? But today, there's all kind of false teaching going on. There are pastors and Bible teachers today that will tell you, yeah, sell everything you have, send it to me. Sell everything you have and send the money to this ministry. Plant your seed with this ministry. I need me a jet. I need me an airplane. Send you money, plant it here, right? And they'll even encourage you to use your credit card <laughs> to put yourself into bondage and to debt to send them money. This exists, but again, there's the spirit of truth and there's the spirit of the world and there's the spirit of the enemy. We'll touch on that a little bit too. You know, 1 Timothy chapter 6 talks about men of corrupt minds. Think about this. You can look this up later. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Men of corrupt minds that are destitute of the truth, it says. And they suppose that godliness is a means of gain. How much do you hear that today in Christianity? Godliness is a means, it's a way to, to, to get gain. To have more money, to have more things, to have the car you want, to have the house you want, the motorcycle, the boat, whatever, whatever it is. Godliness is a means to gain. These are people 
destitute of the truth. When you hear these preachers, they are destitute of the truth and they are of corrupt minds. 1 Timothy 6 says. They think that the wealthier you are, the godlier you are. It goes on in 1 Timothy chapter 6 also to say, from such, in other words, from people like that, withdraw yourself. Get away from these type of people. Because godliness with contentment is great gain. Think about that. Godliness, that's just living godly, right? Being obedient to the word of the Lord. And contentment, being content with such things as you have. Having food, clothing, shelter, right? Be content. You don't need to chase after the things of this world. Many people chase after, chase after the things of this world and the riches of this world and they pierce themselves through with many sorrows because they do. How many divorces are over money? How many families get divided and get destroyed over money and things like that? We're supposed to live godly and be content with what we have. The Lord will provide our needs. He provides our daily, our daily bread and we should be happy with the bare necessities. And we should not be worried about what we have. Ananias and his wife, they were worried about what they had. They needed to keep something for themselves. They needed to hold back and make sure that they were still taken care of. They sold, they sold some possessions that they had, but hey, we, we probably need to keep some of this, right? While everyone else, at the foundation of the church here, the body of Christ, everyone else wasn't doing that. Their hearts were, let's look out for the needs of others. They said, what I have is not my own. It's not mine. Someone else has need, I have two of these, like Jesus said, right? You have two coats, give one away to someone that doesn't have it, right? But today, we have to be fashionable. We have to have a coat for every occasion and all of these kind of things, right? So we, we all need to kind of check ourselves and see where we are. You know, I should have just had you turn there because I'm reading a lot from 1 Timothy chapter 6, but it goes on and says, for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these things, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich, this is what I quoted earlier, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. You see, selfishness and greed lead to your destruction. Even if you make up some false doctrine, like they have today, right, in so-called Christianity, they've got this false doctrine where they practice, they're actually just practicing selfishness and greed, but they're doing it in the name of the Lord and they're taking the scriptures and they're twisting it and they're lying about the scriptures, but the spirit of truth still exists. Truth still exists. Here in Acts chapter five, we're seeing a real movement of the Holy Spirit. And verse 12 continues and says, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. 
Now, this is an important point right here. Not everyone, like I said earlier, was willing to join in with this group of believers. You see, they knew what was going on here. They weren't just going to say, hey, I, I think I'll go to church, you know? Not if they weren't ready to give their all, they weren't. They saw what happened. They knew what happened to us, Ananias and Sapphira. They knew what was going on. And you know, today I really respect people with whom I share the gospel, and this has happened on a few occasions in my life, and they say, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to commit that. That's a serious commitment. I'm not ready to do that. Because they understand the truth of the Bible. Because I present it to them as it is written. And I tell people that coming to Christ is a complete commitment. You know, and I, I respect when they say, well, that's a big commitment. Rather than just receiving this watered down kind of greasy grace kind of doctrine that's preached today, oh, just come. All you have to do is just say this prayer. You know, that's all you have to do. You can even continue in fornication. As long as you said this prayer, as long as you believe, you're fine. You can continue in sin. That's the kind of gospel that's preached today. Now, of course, there are babies in Christ, right? When you come to Christ, you start out as a baby and you must grow. And, you, and, and there, there's a change that takes place because the spirit of truth is changing you. And it doesn't take a day sometimes. For some people it does. But it doesn't take two years either. It doesn't take, uh, you know, someone in Christ, isn't sitting in Christ for five years and they're still crawling like a baby. There's, there's a process there's, there's a maturing process that goes on, right? When you come to the Lord, you understand, though, when you first come, you understand you've been told the truth. The Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of truth has told you that you're leaving your, your old self behind and that you're committing to a new way of life. So not everyone, though, again, that were around these believers back in that day was willing to join them. They knew the commitment. They didn't want to half-heartedly come and drop dead, <laughs> like Ananias and Sapphira, right? They saw this. What? That guy lied. He held back part. He, he, didn't, he didn't give his all, and he's dropping dead. I'm not doing that, right? Again, we don't see that happening today because we're living in a different time. But another important point found in verse 13 here is that the believers of that day were esteemed highly, by those outside of the church. Is that the case for you today as a member of the body of Christ? Is that the case for your church body? Do the neighbors around your church appreciate your impact? Do they even know your impact? I know, I know a lot of churches just sit there as a building and they've got neighbors, I mean literal, literal neighbors, a house right next door where the people are lost and they never got a knock on the door. They never heard from anybody. These people were highly esteemed, right? We should be a light in this world. Yes, indeed, we are to be separate, not of this world, but nonetheless, we are to shine in such a way that the way that we live draws people to Christ. 
because they look at us and they say, look how those Christians love one another. But we don't really see that so much, unfortunately, in the, in the so-called body of Christ today where people are all in it for themselves and they go to church to get goosebumps from the music. And if they don't like the music, they go find some place that appeals to them musically. Or if they don't like the youth programs or children's programs, they leave and go somewhere else. And there's other petty reasons, you know, that people will leave a church and go somewhere else, right? But what we see happening back in the day of the foundation of the body of Christ here is they were taking care of one another. They were looking out for the needs of one another, right? And over time, the people around them were seeing these believers and the way they were living and they were esteeming them highly. You see, it's hard to esteem a hypocrite highly. But someone that's truly living the word, living it out, you can esteem them highly. The world might esteem that person highly, right? See, today in our society, we have athletes and business owners and wealthy people that actors and actresses and stuff like that that people are esteeming highly. Political figures, putting them up on a pedestal. Oh, he's great. Oh, she's great. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at their life. Oh, look at what they overcame. Oh, look how they've achieved, right? But that's not to be the case with us. We're to be fixing our eyes on Jesus, right? And the believers, verse 14 goes on and says, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Why? Because they were esteemed highly. I want to be part of that. Yeah, I am going to wholeheartedly commit to the Lord. And it says multitudes of both men and women so that they brought the sick out into the streets. So there's lots of activity going on here. They brought their sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. So the Holy Spirit was indeed moving in a very powerful way. Signs and wonders were being performed by the apostles of that day. And things were happening. Also a great multitude gathered from the surrounding cities of Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. So this is all good, wasn't it? The Holy Spirit was working to build the body of Christ. You wouldn't think that anyone could truly be opposed to all the things that were going on, all these good things that were happening, sick people being healed. People's lives are being impacted and changed. The body of Christ is growing. This is a good time. These spirit-filled, born-again believers of the early church were making a wonderful impact on the world around them, right? But, the real, but there was still a problem that existed. And it's, and it's the same problem that exists today when the Holy Spirit is trying to work in and through your life. And that is, is that there is an enemy. There is an enemy still today at work in the body of Christ and those who will commit their lives to the Lord. Those who will say, I will walk by faith and not by sight. I will obey the commands of the Lord, no matter how difficult, no matter how hard it might be. This is what I'm going to do because I'm going to be in the will of the Lord. I want to live soberly and righteously in this present age. 
and they make that commitment. And Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 8, he says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So the enemy exists. You know, when Jesus was born, they wanted, Satan wanted to devour him, and he worked in the lives of people to try to find Jesus as a child and to kill him. And when the church was formed here in the book of Acts, they wanted to devour it. They wanted to destroy it. Look at verse 17. Then the high priest rose up and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. So you see, here's the thing, folks. If you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, you will be a target of the enemy. You will suffer persecution. He comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He wants to take away from you that which is good, that which is pure, that which is lovely, that which is of good report, that which is virtuous. He wants to take it away from you and replace it with a counterfeit. So he offers fornication. He offers, which is sex outside of marriage, right? He, he offers lewdness. He offers idolatry. He offers all kinds of things that are contrary to the word of God because he doesn't want you having that life that God designed for you. He doesn't want that. So he offers you something else. Right? But the Lord desires that we, as the body of Christ, live godly. Not only does he desire that we live godly, he requires that we live godly. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. We are to walk in righteousness today, soberly, obeying the commands of the Lord, giving all of our heart, because apart from him, we can do nothing. We need the spirit of, our, of the Lord, but we need to obey the spirit of the Lord. The first place to start in obeying the spirit of the Lord is to obey the word of the Lord, which was inspired by the Holy Spirit of the Lord. That's the first place to start. Look in there and say, well, if you want to say, if you just want to sit there without reading your Bible, without hearing the word, without hearing the word of God taught to you or something like that, however you get it, if you just want to say, I'm not hearing from the Lord, I'm not hearing from the Lord, well, are you walking in obedience to his word? Are you sold out? Are you committed? Right? So the Lord today will empower the truly born again believer with his Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of the Lord will indwell you. But again, there's also a counterfeit Christianity today. And it's that Christianity that takes the word of the Lord and twist it into you getting the desires of your flesh. You getting what you want. You getting what you like. For example, some today will, will take the scripture that I just quoted a minute ago there, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And they'll take that scripture and they'll apply it to their business, to their sporting events, to their finances to their exercise routine. I can do this through Christ, which strengthens me. All the while, 
paying no attention as to whether they're truly living godly in Christ Jesus or not. It's just all about themselves and what they gain. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life has filled the so-called church today. No one wants to die to themselves. No one wants to take up the cross and truly follow the Lord. And that's, that's a hyperbole. I, I shouldn't say no one because there are people that the Spirit of the Lord truly is working in their lives today, right? And all those who live godly will suffer persecution. So are you born again? Are you being persecuted because you're dead to this world, because you're sold out for Christ, because you're seeking the kingdom of God above all else? Stay the course, right? Uh, you're living a life where you're shunning the things of this world. You're striving against sin. You're fighting against it. Temptation's there every day. The ability to sin is, is there every morning we wake up. But we got to fight against it. We got to stay the course, right? If we do that, we can rest assured that we're in Christ Jesus as the believers back in the early church were in the book of Acts here. And if not, if you're not there, then maybe you want to rethink your Christianity. Maybe you've come into it like Ananias and Sapphira and, and you've said, I'm going to hold back. See, I'm going to hold back. You see, Anna, or excuse me, Sapphira didn't have to agree with Ananias. Right? Yes, she was his wife and all of that. But when it comes to the truth, she didn't have to conspire in this thing. And in that day, we saw that it was both men and women coming to the Lord. Whosoever will can come, right? But the same enemy of Jesus that existed in the early days of the church, of the church is still alive and well today. Yes, his days are numbered. Yes, his destruction will come. But as for you and me today, we are still to press on. Press on. It's a fight. It's hard. We're, we're called to walk by faith and not by sight. It's not easy. It's far easier to walk by sight. It's far easier to give in to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, right? And we, though, are still to be in this world as we are, but not of this world. We are still to be living like this world is not our home, we are just passing through. Our eyes are to be fixed on the Lord and on the high calling that he has placed upon our lives. It's a high calling to stay the course of faith. We are to be storing up treasures not here on this earth, but rather storing up treasures in heaven like Jesus said. And this is the example the early days church under the leading of the Holy Spirit has set for us. We see it written right here. Faith is a fight. Nothing done to honor the Lord is easy in this life. Nothing that you do to honor the Lord will be easy. There'll be all kinds of things that come against you. All kinds of wars that rage against your soul. But we're not alone. We too can be led by the Spirit of the Lord just as they were. 
right? And there are many practical examples that I can give you in regards to how you can live for the Lord. And I could go on and on with a teaching like this and just keep talking and just keep expounding upon it, right? And if the Spirit of the Lord is pricking at your heart today as you've heard this teaching today and you have some questions, I'll be glad to help you to answer any questions that I can. We're all in this together. We're all still growing. I've not arrived at that ultimate place yet, right? Someday we'll all be there with the Lord. But if there's any way I can help you, feel free to reach out to me. The best way is through email, dave at aloveoutreach.com. And our website's on the screen here as well, aloveoutreach.com. And you can go to that page um, and fill out the contact form. But that's my direct email, dave at aloveoutreach.com. But thanks for joining us today for another Bible study. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your powerful word that is sharper than any two-edged sword, that can do within the hearts of men and women which, that which no other words can do. The words that come out of my mouth can fall short. But your word never falls short. Your word never fails, Lord. And I pray for those that will hear this teaching someday, that have come upon it, either the audio version or this video version, Lord, whichever it may be. I pray, Lord, that it's not my words that meant anything to them, but that it's your word that impacted their heart. I pray that for all of us, Lord, that we will continue to press on, to fight the fight of faith, to stay the course all the way till the end, till we see you. Because that day will come, Lord, when we will bow our knee before you, when every knee will bow, and every, even those that hate you today, even those that hate Christianity today, true Christianity, and again, I know there's a lot of hypocritical Christianity that is worthy of dislike. But every knee will bow, Lord. And every tongue will confess that you are Lord. That day is coming. And it is coming for sure. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to work in us all. And we thank you for this opportunity to gather again, Lord, around your word, your holy word. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless. Again, thanks for watching, listening, whatever the case may be. We hope to hear from you. We'll see you next time.